We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday, Hour 2 here, and a special playoff edition of Sports Talk Saturday. It's brought to you by Runner's Roost. It makes a difference where you get your shoes by Batavia Downs Gaming and Hotel, the area's premier entertainment destination, and by Isaac Heating and Air Conditioning. When you need us, we'll be there. I'm Nate Geary. We've got uh, Matt Perino now of New York Upstate and the Shout Podcast joining me here now live on the Western Hotline. He is live from Kansas City, traveling with the team for tomorrow's divisional round matchup at 6.30 against the Kansas City. Chief. So first and foremost, Matt, um, the first thing you always have to ask is like, um, got to check in on, real quick on the mafia. Uh, have you been bombarded? Did you go out to dinner and then restaurants were being taken over by Bill's mafia? Or has it sort of been a subtle, more mature group this time around that this isn't our first rodeo in the, in the playoffs? I think people have been sprinkling into town a little bit. Uh, I headed over to Al's bar and grill, which is the home of the Kansas city bills backers. And those, those dudes, uh, those folks are are, are great, uh, great people. I had some fun. I did the show uh, from there last night. Uh, but I see a lot of people on social media traveling today. So I anticipate today will be much busier. But my, I've been pretty busy myself tracking this whole sweet potato phenomenon that our friend Brother oh, Bill kind of amplified a few days ago. Yeah. You know, leave it to leave it to Brother Bill to piss off an entire fan base. Uh, I mean, it, it's kind of what he does. That, that's sort of his brand. But yeah, the fact that it's uh, it, it's all revolving around a sweet potato really, I think just it, it, it really encapsulates how uh, how easily Brother Bill can get in the head of, of opposing fan bases. Yeah, it's 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 fun. And the, the gentleman that I interviewed for the story where it started, his name's Garrett Lee. You can read it at Syracuse.com now if you want. Uh, the details on it, and it's <laughs> judging by the numbers, people really wanted to know what was going on with the sweet potato. It's almost, it's almost like that inside joke that nobody really knew about. And he basically said he just started bringing it in as like a like a he did it by accident the first time, and then he started bringing it <laughs> for good luck. Did it by accident? Yeah. So yeah, yeah uh, there, there you have it. Did it by bringing a sweet potato in the game? Oh, that was totally it was it was by accident. I I forgot it in my pocket. He was, uh, I would imagine he, had, he was a couple pops in at that point. So, yeah. I forgot the sweet potato in my pocket, damn it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's hilarious. Matt, listen, um, this matchup has a little bit of everything, right? And 
everyone sort of wants to go back and say, well, what's the biggest difference between this Bills team in the AFC Championship game last year and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game last year? But I think it's it's hard because both of these teams are wildly different than when they played earlier this season. So when you go back to that Week 5 game, is there a, a group of plays? Is there a personnel grouping? Is there a player or two that you believe will be the biggest difference in this game? And it could be for Kansas City. I know they're going to get Chris Jones back. They did not have Melvin Ingram at the time. Um, so, like, wh- what do you believe the biggest difference is now in the divisional round compared to Week 5 in that matchup? Yeah, it's complicated, right? Because on one hand, you have how dominant the Bills were twice against the Patriots over the last month. And that was a Patriots team that was supposed to be boasting, you know, top three defense in the NFL. You know, one of the best fronts in the NFL. Obviously, they had J.C. Jackson, who everybody's talking about all season long as the ball hawk that everybody's scared of. Like, you look at this Chiefs defense, and I think that they're probably better at this. Not probably. They are better at the second level. I think Nick Bolton and, and Hitchens, I mean, they, they're really good young young players, and Willie Gay is going to play in this game. So, that's probably where I look at first. That, that and when when the Chiefs talk about that they're they're a different defense that the Bills are going to face this time around. That's probably where they're the they're the most different. But from a Bills perspective, you know, you you, you talked about the personnel group, and I think the way they've implemented Tommy Doyle in, in that jumbo setting and has allowed them to kind of run the ball a little bit more consistent consistently. And really just get Devin Singletary to a place where he's confident running the ball, whatever they're asking him to do. He's playing with a bit of swagger now, which I think you need to have that. Like, you know, it's probably been hard for Devin Singletary to sit back and watch everybody in that offense eat and him having to kind of like split carries with one or two guys, uh, depending on if Moss and Brito were up. And then I look at Isaiah McKenzie and I'm, I'm writing a big story on him this week. And, you know, it's going to be out, I think later today or early tomorrow. And, I don't know if it's necessarily McKenzie that's going to eat in this game, more so than the fact that he's burst onto the scene since that New England game, and now it gives, it puts pressure on defenses to have to game plan for him, and maybe that just might open up the door for Cole Beasley, who should be fully healthy this time around, and who really hasn't been used a ton over the last month, month and a half. Maybe we're in for a breakout game from a second-team All-Pro last year. You know, I saw a stat from Aaron Schatz of uh, football in, uh, football outsiders, right? And one of his stats was the Bills in 11 personnel have a 21.8 DVOA, I think it is. In every other personnel grouping, they have a negative 1.7. Wow. Wow. What's funny about that, too, is I was, we were, I was talking about this on the show. I've been kind of toying around with the idea of, do you think that it would be a wise decision and this is me talking to myself in my brain so there you go um all of this you know 21 uh personnel or um did you say 11 personnel 11 yep yeah yeah all this 11 personnel all this tommy doyle and the bills just flip the script in this game and come out and go four or five wide spread it out and try to attack you know like the old school bills from last yeah. season early on in the season but here's the problem with that i don't think the chiefs are very good against the run and so I think that you have to continue to kind of do what you've been doing, and it's been so successful. And I think the Chiefs and having to prepare for that balanced attack where you don't take any of the cards out of the deck for your offense, I think that's the, that, that's the model, and that's what they have to continue to do. And you've got you to put it on Josh Allen. And, oh, by the way, 
you're going to rely on your number one pass defense. And and I think that the Bills, they're, they're probably a confident group based on what they were able to at least do in one game earlier this season. So, uh, listen, I, I know Isaiah McKenzie is the sexy one to talk about, but maybe in this game, talking about Reggie Gilliam and his emergence as of late – Makes a little sense because if you if you want to if you do want to go back to week five, the sort of coming out party for Reggie Gilliam was that week five game and the game plan that they came out with. I I just spoke with NFL Network's Mike Giardi. He's picking the Bills. He sort of picked the Bills all year in his preseason pick. He thought the Bills would win the AFC. And part of I think the I think the best point about this Bills team is in the offseason they built not necessarily rebuilt but built back this Bills team with the idea that it was meant to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. That's why I've got the Bills winning the game, is I just think that they're built to beat them, and I think that they're top to bottom better than the Chiefs. But Reggie Gilliam, to me, sort of signifies the type of player, the type of X factor the Bills simply did not deploy in a smart or effective way last year that they now know how to use. And I think when you're talking about 11 personnel across the season, yeah, three tight, or three wide receivers and you know one tight end or however that they end up playing it, I also think the other guy in this, Reggie Gilliam in the run game, I think has opened up things for Devin Singletary. But I think in in the same breath, you look at, I think it was Yards Per Pass posted this, seeing Devin Singletary's most efficient games and seeing the usage of Gabriel Davis, there's a direct line. Gabriel Davis has been playing more snaps and Devin Singletary has had more efficiency and more success with those additional snaps. So would you say the key is finding ways to get Gilliam and Gabriel Davis on the field. Yes, and I I think that that's kind of the ultimate, um, you know, difficulty for Brian Dable, or at least it was earlier in the season, is trying to figure out a way to manage all the snaps for all of this talent. It's like you go out and and you accumulate all of this, and then you get him in and you get him coached up, you get him to this level, and then you're sitting here saying, like, you know, biggest game of the year last year, Stephon Diggs ends up with four targets in that game against the Patriots, and you're kind of sitting back like, man, this is, you know, they have so much. I was talking, like I mentioned, about McKenzie. Um, when I was talking about um, how much he's come up this season, the, one of the first people that he mentioned was Reggie Gilliam. It's like Reggie Gilliam is that same guy. Like, everybody talks about, you know, what I did in that Patriots game, but I've been doing that since I've been here. And Reggie Gilliam has been doing it since he's, get, since he's been here, according to McKenzie. It's just that he's getting more opportunities now. And there is that, like, we were talking so much last year, Nate. I remember coming on your show week after week talking about that mentality on the line, right? Like, you know, John Feliciano was a dog, and, and Spencer Brown this year has been a dog. And you need those kind of nasty guys. Like, I'm not sure Reggie Gilliam is out there, like, foaming at the mouth, like, uh, one of those maybe maybe doesn't fit into that particular category where he just plays mean, but he his physicality gives off that same vibe. Like when he gets yeah. out on the field, he's a tough guy, and he he's a guy that at every level of the field when he thought I think there was that one play where McKenzie was coming around. I think he lined up in the backfield, and and Gilliam put a stellar block on a guy, and like that's just another dimension to the physicality that Sean McDermott was talking about after they got out physical in a couple games in the middle of the season. Matt Perino here in New York Upstate on the Wester Hotline. We're previewing Bills Chiefs tomorrow, 6.30 pregame coverage here on WGR starts at 1 o'clock. And Matt, you know, I think 
continuing to talk about the offense, this matchup between the two quarterbacks coming off of two of the best playoff and most prolific playoff performances, I, I, I think... I think bucketing their performances into individual ones is fun, but when you combine it, it's even more fun. Ten total touchdowns, 700 passing yards combined, and over 100 rushing yards combined between the two quarterbacks in their matchups last week. I mean, one of the things I'm most excited about is this narrative, right? And and I think Kevin Clark of The Ringer wrote about this, writing that we want this, and I think everyone is talking about this being the next Brady and Manning, and I think the likelihood of that is, is, is probably not good based on how good the AFC young quarterbacks are. There's a good chance that one of the five elite quarterbacks in the AFC, not counting Deshaun Watson either, you know, there's a good chance that one or multiple of them will not win a Super Bowl because of how good the conference is at the quarterback position. All of them are under 25 years old. But I think about this matchup, Matt, and thinking about if we get to see Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes both at their best, because I think common consensus is when each of those guys play at their absolute best, that they're both unbeatable. And I think this becomes sort of the unbeatable forces meeting in a game. Can we, and what do you think the likelihood is that we see both Allen and Mahomes play the type of game we saw them play last week? It's kind of in a couple ways. Like I've been thinking about this too this week. It's like we needed, or they needed, I guess, to go through, or maybe more so Josh needed, to go through what happened in the AFC title game last year and maybe that entire playoff run. Like, if you go back and really break down those games, the stats were, were, were fine in the Indianapolis game. I thought he was a little bit better than at the time he, uh, he got you know, critiqued to be in that game. But if you take his whole body of work in the playoffs last year, I don't know if he was necessarily ready for that yet. And you go back in, in, where it's week to week, teams are game planning you, there's more film on you in the playoffs, and I just thought that he ran into three really good defenses, three really good defensive coordinators, and they had some answers for him. And then he runs in, a year later, he runs into the, the defensive mastermind of Bill Belichick and absolutely dunks on him from the from the opening whistle to the final whistle. And so much so that Bill Belichick had to come into the to his locker room after and, and look him in the eyes and shake his hands and say, man, you really whooped us today and I had no answers for you. And so that, to me, makes me think that jo- this version of Josh Allen, who's gone through that moment in KC last year, and then all the things this year, the ups and downs, the Jags game, the heartbreak in Nashville, all these moments have led to now and how well this offense is playing. And he looks unrattled by everything the last month and a half of the season. And that was a big game where, you know, if he would have started slowly in that game, you would be like, well, it's okay, it's against Bill Belichick. He didn't miss a beat. It was from the start to the finish. And I don't think Kansas City is as good. I think, I think defensively. I think Steve Spagnuolo can come up with some different blitz packages and maybe – you know, maybe can throw some looks at him that he hasn't seen. But at this point, I feel like every great defensive mind has done everything they they can to try to throw Josh Allen off, and he figures out a way to utilize one of his strengths. And so that is what gives me confidence that we see the shootout, the superstar uh, on the marquee living up uh, to the hype 
on, on Sunday. So I think the follow-up question here, too, is because there's uh, some of the quotes I've been seeing this week out of Kansas City. Well, there's going to be a focus on limiting Josh Allen as the runner. And that's fine when you're going up against Tyrod Taylor. That's fine when you're going up against Marcus Mariota. Or even, it, it sounds like even last week, Kyler Murray, right? Like, sure, we can limit a quarterback who is a foundationally amazing runner like Josh Allen. The problem is he is as good, if not better, as a thrower. Are you playing with fire if you're Steve Spagnuolo saying, well, we're going to dedicate Willie Gay or whoever it is to be a spy? Because if you do that, you're now going 11 at verse 10, 10 verse 11, if you're the Chiefs defense going up against the Bills offense. And I think that's a risky proposition. I think you'd almost take whatever Josh Allen's going to do against you as a runner if it means slowing him down as a passer. And what's the guarantee there that the spy works? Yeah, right. Josh doesn't, Josh doesn't do all of his damage damage as a runner in structure most of it comes from improvisation which even if you have a spy on him he usually tends to kind of bring the defense kind of like fade the defense a lot in a lot of different ways and get you off of you he's so there's no way like if you go back and watch his his scrambles there's no way to kind of predict when he's going to do it he that's one of i think his most underrated strengths and oh by the way if you want to stop him as a runner you have to be able to stop everything else, not just him as a passer, but the Bills as a run, rushing offense, which teams have struggled to do since week 13. Devin Singletary is the number four rusher in the NFL behind only guys like Jonathan Taylor since week 13. And the Chiefs aren't very good against the run. Teams have been running on them all season long, even with this kind of rebirth that they've had in the second half of the season. So I think this, you know, maybe that's a lot of bluster, Maybe they want the Bills thinking about like you know getting into the game like we gotta we're gonna we're gonna get in there we're gonna run Josh Allen we're gonna prove that they, they can't, can't stop us maybe that's the line of thinking I don't know but I think focusing on one area of this Bills offense is playing right into Brian Dable's hands. All right, Matt. Last thing I have for you is this afternoon's game, four thirty. The Tennessee Titans they will host the Cincinnati Bengals. Are you gonna try to convince me the Titans aren't frauds? Uh, I don't think the Titans are frauds. Um, really? I think the Titans... Here's the thing. I get it, though, right? I, I, I don't think the Titans are to be feared. But I don't think that they're frauds just because I've just been so impressed with how Mike Brable has gotten that team to kind of manage all the things and, and, conti- and consistently win all season despite what was happening. Now, they play down to opponents better than any team in the NFL, I think. But they also play up to opponents yeah. as well as any in the NFL. And that's where I think in their house, they're just so tough to deal with. And they're going to be playing with so much juice. I think that getting Derrick Henry back is going to just, from a, from a team perspective, I think that they're going to be very energized. They're going to come out fast. And I know everybody's ready to crown Joe Burrow, but a lot of the same things that I think um, you know happened to Josh Allen last year have the potential to happen to Joe Burrow in this game. And, and beyond, he's a good player, and he's got arguably, you know, here's a hot take. I think Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. I agree. As a rookie. I That's, agree. I, I know it sounds wild coming out of my mouth, but every time I watch that guy play, that's where I give the Bengals the biggest chance for the upset today is I think that a lot of times when things are going bad, find Jamar Chase and things usually go well. And I know that pass defense for Tennessee at times uh, can be uh, a bit of a, you know, 
you know what show, so we'll see. But <laughs> I, listen, I, I like Brabel. I think I, I think Derrick Henry getting back. AJ Brown to me is a guy that I think shines in this game. Uh, but we'll see. I can't wait to so who you get my work done and then go watch these. Who, who, I'm, I'm going with the Titans. You're going with the Titans, coward. Yeah, I am going with the Titans at home. <laughs> um, and listen, I, 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 if you're talking about rooting interest, I want the Bengals because yeah. I don't want to go back to Nashville. As, I agree. As crazy as that might sound, I, you know, when you're doing it for work. It's just a lot during the week. So, you know, if the Bengals want to go in there and win, uh, and then the Bills win, and we could do the, the AFC title game back in Buffalo, there you have it. All right, my friend. Appreciate you. Enjoy Kansas City. Get some barbecue in you tonight, and uh, enjoy the games tonight and, and tomorrow. And uh, you and I will be chatting soon, I guess, very soon, my friend. All right, brother. Take care. Awesome. Matt Perino there in New York Upstate on the West Her Hotline. And a quick reminder from Runner's Roost, it makes a difference where you get your shoes. Runner's Roost now has two great locations in East Amherst and Orchard Park. Their staff, their expert staff, has been properly fitting runners and walkers for over 40 years with top brands like Brooks, Hoka, New Balance, and many, many more. Runner's Roost is now offering 3D printed insoles for individualized support that moves with you. Their 3D personalized insoles are calibrated to each foot's dynamic pressure pattern that responds to the way you move. Visit Runner's Roost in the Village of Orchard Park or their newest location on Transit Road in East Amherst or therunnersroost.com. I've got Ben Baby of ESPN, he covers the Cincinnati Bengals. He's coming up next. We'll continue previewing today's afternoon games. Cincinnati, when they visit the Tennessee Titans, we'll continue talking Bills and Chiefs, all that and more here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR Nate Geary, bringing you a special playoff edition of Sports Talk Saturday. It's brought to you by Runner's Roost. It makes a difference where you get your shoes by Batavia Downs Gaming and Hotel, the area's premier entertainment destination, and by Isaac Heating and Air Conditioning when you need us. 
will be there. Going back to the Western Hotline for the final time this morning, we've got Ben Baby of ESPN. He covers the Cincinnati Bengals, and he has himself quite a game on tap this afternoon, the first game of the divisional round. And Ben, uh, no pressure, and not, not that you would feel it in any way, but I uh, have been picking the Bengals for several weeks now, it feels like, to be the team that, that likely I think the Bills will face in the AFC Championship game. I'm hoping that's the case. I'd like to see another home Bills playoff game particularly an AFC Championship game. What do you believe, Ben, we'll get right into this, what do you believe the chances are today that the Cincinnati Bengals do beat the Tennessee Titans, and how much are you giving a week off and Derrick Henry coming back? How much of the credence are you giving those two things um, You know, coming into this game? You know, first off, if, if Buffalo's going to host another playoff game, it better be warm because I, oh, the brother. difference I've seen over there, it's a little icy. But I, I do think that uh, you know the Bengals have a good shot. Uh, to win this game. I'm actually picking them to win this. I'm sure this is probably something that's spoiling the end of the segment here, but I think this is a good matchup, even though with Derrick Henry coming back, you know, this is a team that's built to stop the run. We wrote that on ESPN.com this morning. Um, you know, when you look at what they did, I mean, this team was atrociously bad. I don't know if you remember, but there was a clip in 2019, a highlight of Lamar Jackson's, where he basically just turned the entire Bengals defense into Swiss cheese and put them all in a blender. Uh, and that showed how bad they were in the run game. And over the last couple of years, They've done a much better job to the point where a lot of teams are opting to pass against them. Um, now, I'm not saying the run defense is exceptional by any means, but it's a lot better, and it's built specifically to, to put for games like this where teams are going to want to run the ball and, and, and see if they can control the game. And I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup. We're gonna, I, I think the fact that you've got Tennessee built uh, to, to run the ball really well, to, to be a, a team that establishes the run, controls the clock, against the Bengals team right now with Joe Burrow, and you're not the only one who's got a lot of confidence in them. You know, with the way Burrow's been playing and how they've been airing it out, you know, it's a team that that feels like they could put up a ton of points. So it's going to be a really fascinating matchup. I'm really excited to see how this plays out. So listen, I think all week the conversation's been around the weapons for Joe Burrow and obviously Jamar Chase. I just had Matt Perino on in New York Upstate covers the Bills. His sort of quote hot take was right now he believes there's not a wide receiver playing better in the NFL than Jamar Chase. He's the best receiver of the 2021-22 season here. And I know that includes, you know, Devontae Adams, who's probably right up there in the same conversation, but Chase has been that good and has warranted that sort of talk. How big of a difference in this game can he be considering the weakness of this Titans defense is in fact that secondary yeah he's, he's like john Mayer with a guitar on a blues track you put it in his hands good things are going to happen love that and, and right now the Bengals are just trying to put it in his hands whenever they can you know joe burrow feels a lot of confidence anytime he throws it up i think you know the last few weeks he's done a really good job of finding whatever receivers in a one-on-one matchup on the sidelines whether that be t higgins or jamar chase and just taking it and throwing it up and, and he knows you know it's funny, he referenced the meme, you know, uh, I'll, I'll say the clean version, where he says, Jamar's down there somewhere. And essentially that's been their offense. <laughs> they say, you know what, we feel like we've got a good matchup and, and we know that they can make these contested catches. And frankly, that's why you go get these type of receivers. And they did last year with T. Higgins at the top of the twenty the second round of the 2020 draft, and then this year with the fifth overall pick. So I, I feel like those are Jamar has been a game changer for this offense, really opened things up, and it is a big reason why the Bengals are so explosive and have, frankly, one of the more explosive offenses in the NFL. So, Ben, I, I think then the next question here is, Joe Mixon today like what what kind of role is he playing is he a guy and listen I, I think for the better part of this season 
I think unfairly, Zach Taylor was criticized for maybe overusing Joe Mixon in, in some way to sort of protect Joe Burrow early on. And, and I think that conversation and narrative has been used less and less as you've moved into the season watching Joe Burrow and, and Chase and, and the volume in which they're throwing the ball and the success as well that they were throwing the ball with. I think a lot of that conversation around using Mixon too much has sort of faded into the into the darkness. But when you're in a game like this one against the uh, against the Tennessee Titans, where do you what do you expect from Mixon? And and do you expect him to play a bigger role in the pass game, or do you believe that this is a game where you turn around and you hand the ball t- you know 15, 17, 18 times to Joe Mixon, and that's sort of your recipe for success? You know, I, I think that all all year there has been a a design on how to build a perfect offensive game plan. Like I once listened to John Mayer give an excellent uh, speech at Berkeley, and he was talking about how you build a song. You basically he said it was interesting. He was like, you can't be at the loudest portion of the song the entire time. So you're not out here to solo on the entire thing. So for the Bengals, you're not out here just having Joe Burrow throw up a bunch of deep balls and say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna sling it around a ton. And I, I think that there is going to be a in the ideal world for the Bengals this season. It's been Let's get up early, and then let's kill the game with Mixon. And I think that that's when you have a running back at that disposal, uh, that's exactly what you want to do. And there's a, a time and a place to run the ball, even in a pass-heavy league. And it's interesting, Mixon even said it this week. He goes, I, we, basically, you know, we know who's got the hot hand, and we're not going to let anybody dictate the way we want to play the game. Which, in other words, was, we've got Joe Burrow. We're going to go out here and throw it around a ton. I'll do whatever I've got to do to win. Uh, but, you know, this is the way that our offense is going to look. And so I think that Mixon, you know, even in the pass game, a lot of, you know, it's interesting, a lot of people have said, why isn't Mixon using the pass game more, kind of like what you just referenced. And, and the fact is, and he said it, we've got three really good receivers. And, and for, quite frankly, I don't blame them. If you've got, you know, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase at your disposal, those are your best receiving options. Those should be the guys getting the bulk of your targets. And, you know, a lot of teams that use the running back in the passing game, frankly, don't have the receivers that the Bengals do. And, you know, it depends on the matchup, and sometimes Burrow and, and Zach Taylor will take it when it's available. But, you know, right now I think that's kind of the way to go. Uh, I, I believe that, you know, they're going to find a good balance. But I, I imagine they're going to try to pass the ball a ton and see if they can get up early. Because, like I said earlier, you know, Tennessee's a team that's built on the run, and can they really be explosive in the pass game and chase the game through the air? That's going to be the big question. ESPN's Ben Baby joining me here on the Western Hotline. He covers the Bengals, and I I kind of look at this game too as a whole, and I do believe Ben that there's a level of like strength versus weakness, and and it feels like the two strengths of the Tennessee Titans play action and their defensive line being able to get after the quarterback. They have three guys along that defensive line that have eight or more sacks are going up against the direct weaknesses of the Bengals, their offensive line, who's given up a lot of sacks against Joe Burrow this year and their ability to stop the play action. They're one of the worst teams in the league at defending the play action. Do you believe those are things that the Tennessee Titans plan on leaning into? And if they do, what can be the Bengals' counter to two strengths of that team? A team that, by the way, is the number one seed. Maybe the weakest number one seed ever, but a number one seed nonetheless. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a really good question. And I, I really think that those are two big factors in this game, uh, specifically the front. I, I said it last week, too, when the Bengals played the Raiders. I think that ideally you want to see if you can rattle Joe Burrow early with your pass rush. And the Bengals did a really good job of holding up last week against Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby this week. You know, you've got a really good front spearheaded by, by Jeffrey Simmons. You know, you've got Harold Landry in the mix as well. And, and we've seen the numbers. Our guy, Teron Davenport, who covers the Titans, and does, does a great job and pointed out, uh, you know, the Titans don't really blitz a whole lot. And against a guy like Burrow, that's exactly 
what you need to do. You don't need to blitz a lot. You want to try to bring pressure with four, drop as many guys on the coverage as you can, and make the quarterback go make the decisions. We've seen that be a good uh, recipe for success against guys like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen this year. Uh, That's been very well documented. So I I think that that will be the the strategy moving forward. So so we'll see what happens in this game, but I, I think that you know, the, the Titans have a lot of good strengths, specifically with that front. I really think that front is exceptional. Uh, and, and it's not getting enough credit. It, is, it deserves it. And Ryan Tannehill as well. And when you've got guys like Julio Jones and A.J. Brown to throw the ball to, you know, you've got a lot of good options. So uh, this is a really interesting team. It's a really well-constructed team. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how the Titans are able to exploit some of these matchups in their favor. So listen, uh, obviously the return of Derrick Henry, I'm surprised it's taken this long to get to that aspect. But listen, the return of Derrick Henry is noted. He's got a metal plate in his foot. Uh, um, Diana Rossini of ESPN has tweeted out that there there is a belief that there is no pitch count or there is no, you know, uh, they're going to ease him into this game. They're going to go full Derrick Henry. And, and with that, that's what makes this Tennessee Titans play-action game so such a threat is his ability to get downhill and the and sort of the respect your linebackers have to give that the the, the just Derrick Henry as a whole like how do you expect the Bengals to try to defend Derrick Henry and how big of a threat do you expect him to be considering he hasn't played football in two months and he does have a plate in his foot like I do think that's going to matter at some point here yeah you know the thing about play action is you necessarily don't need a successful run game to have a good play-action offense. And with Derrick Henry, you, you know, you know the linebackers are going to read their keys no matter what, whether it's Derrick Henry or Deontay Foreman out there. Uh, but, there, you know, anytime you've got Henry on the field, that's definitely a threat you've got to, you know, be prepared to stop and face. And the Bengals, you know, are excited about that. I, I asked Mike Hilton, their cornerback, and, and they said that in, in, he had an interesting point. He goes, even though it seems like it's a pass-heavy league, we know that teams want to establish the run and everything is built around it. And, and so I think the Bengals are very much prepared for that possibility for, for you know, the, the Titans to really go out there and, and really, you know, plant their flag in the ground game. But, you know, I, I, they, the Bengals have a really good idea, I think, for how to do this. They come out of the AFC North teams that, you know, sure. really do like to run the ball. Yeah. I could see the Bengals playing some single high, uh, you know, maybe putting Von Bell in the box and, and, and you know, maybe dumping out and playing some cover two looks uh, if they can. So I, I think that Luan Arumo throughout his entire time as defensive coordinator has really done a good job and sometimes you know a little maybe too much and how, how versatile his schemes are but I think that's going to be a big advantage today Ben uh last couple of things for you I want to take a, a more you know larger 30,000 foot view of the Bengals 2021 season as a whole and listen you know I think coming into this year there was a lot of pressure on Zach Taylor um to get this team into the playoffs and make this back into a winning organization and, and to utilize the number one pick and, and, and elevate him. And, and listen, I, I think there was a lot of doubt early on that Joe Burrow was going to be able to come back as quickly as he did and look as right as he has with it coming off that knee injury. He has, you know, in my opinion, Ben, put together one of the best seasons for a young quarterback coming off that sort of injury that I've ever seen. How much credit? does Zach Taylor earn on the season that the Bengals have had this year? Yeah, I think he should get a ton, to be quite honest. I think that, you know, for Zach, this was like you said, there was no secret. The Bengals were, uh, you know, I thought we wrote it way back, you know, in July, that this was going to be a make-or-break year for Zach Taylor. And the fact that he was able to, you know, not succumb to the pressure, be even-keeled, and when the Bengals had a couple two-game skids, was able to withstand that pressure and, and keep the team where it needed to be. And I think that's why you've seen the success 
you know, the culture they built in the locker room, the optimism that's been in the locker room, and the fact that, you know, this is a guy who had six wins in two years, and yet the players believe that this guy was going to be the guy that was going to lead them to the playoffs and maybe some potentially bigger things. And sure enough, all that's played out. And, you know, I think the temperament of a coach, the demeanor of a coach, and, and the identity that you establish as a coach, those are all the biggest things, more so than X's and O's and anything mm-hmm. else like that. You know, how you manage people, how you manage the locker room, and manage your coaching staff. And Zach Taylor has done an exceptional job at all of those things. I think there's a lot of criticism to be had about whether he's an ideal play caller and if the Bengals get bounced and the offense doesn't look good, I think there will definitely be some questions about that. But ideally, that's something you can change. And he's got something that I think a lot of coaches do not possess in that the ability to stay even keeled and not get, like they always say, get too high or get too low. Mm. A lot of coaches say it, but they don't really implement that very well. Zach Taylor's done a fantastic job of doing that and is a massive reason why this team is, frankly, a couple games away from playing for a Super Bowl. So I I, I talked about this with uh, Mike Giardi of NFL Network uh, earlier this morning when he was on, and I think when you look at this crop of AFC quarterbacks, and, and, and I say this about the Bills, but I think it can be easily applied to the Bengals. It can be it can 100% be easily applied to the Tennessee Titans because I don't think they have a, a true franchise quarterback, like a true transcendent talent at the quarterback position. But there are five, and if you want to count Deshaun Watson, as six legitimate you know, future Hall of Fame quarterbacks in the AFC. And I think about this season, and I think about as a whole of those five, potentially six guys, one or two, and you could make the argument even three, may never actually win a Super Bowl, Ben. Like, I think about the chance that the Bengals, that the Bills have this season to cash in while they're still paying their quarterbacks on a rookie salary. The Bills and the Chiefs will not have that luxury moving forward. You know, the the Bengals have a couple more years of Joe Burrow on that rookie contract. But then things, listen, Joe Burrow's going to get more money than than Josh Allen got, just FYI. Like, that's going to happen because of, you know, everything that every year a quarterback gets paid higher and higher and higher. Burrow's going to get... $290 $290 million or something in the next couple of years. And is there a better opportunity for either of these teams, the Bills and the Bengals, in the window that they're in right now to win a Super Bowl, considering I think a lot of people, Ben, want to make the, the Mahomes-Allen matchup tonight, or tomorrow night the next Brady and Manning. And as much as I would say and would love for that to be the case, I just don't think it's realistic to think that with all of the talent at the quarterback position in the AFC. Yeah, you know, you make a really interesting point. You know, the game has evolved from back when it was it was the Manning and Brady duels were going on. We've got a lot of good quarterbacks in the NFL. The, you know, football at the grassroots level really done a good job of nurturing and identifying and, and really developing elite quarterbacks. And we've seen that over the course of the last, you know, five, ten years. And, you know, this is only going to continue to get better, I think. And we're only going to, as we see, as, we, as the league continues to evolve and we see offenses and NFL coaches really adapt to having transcendent quarterbacks, we're going to see a lot of elite teams or a lot of elite quarterbacks in the playoffs, and not all these guys can win Super Bowls. I think there are some really, really good quarterbacks in the NFL who just aren't able, for whatever reason, to to capitalize and and be winning at at a high level in the playoffs. And I think that goes to show how difficult it is to win in the NFL. We just saw a Bengals team that went 31 years without a playoff win, and it took a guy like Joe Burrow in, in, in the right set of circumstances for them to be able to change that. But, you know, you're, I think you're completely on the money. You know, it's, there's no guarantee that we're going to get a bunch of Allen versus Mahomes matchups moving forward, especially if Burrow keeps playing the way he is. And, and you know, there is no guarantee that the Bengals are going to get back here uh, and they're not going to, you know, with how wide open the AFC is this year, 
this may be their best chance to ever win a Super Bowl yeah. uh, with Joe Burrow here. So you've got to capitalize on it. I think the Bengals understand what's in front of them and the opportunity they have, and they definitely do not want to waste it. Ben, as always, man, appreciate you on game day, hopping on, talking some uh, some Bills Chiefs, talking some Bengals with me, as always, always appreciated. Your insight's uh, fantastic as well. And, you know, you always find a way to fit in John Mayer references, which is why our friendship will transcend time and, uh, and any football. So I appreciate you, my friend, as always. Enjoy the game today and uh, enjoy your weekend of football as well, my friend. All right, sounds good. Thank you so much. All right, Ben Baby there of ESPN on the West her hotline. A reminder, at Batavia Downs, the Legends and Stars Expo returns on February 26th and 27th. Come see former Buffalo Bill stars, including Doug Flutie and Steve Tasker. Other former athletes, wrestlers, and actors will also be appearing. For full details, go to legendsandstars.net. I'm sorry, that's legendsandstars.net. That's the Legends and Stars Sports Expo, only at Batavia Downs Gaming and Hotel. Time out, other side, I'll close things off. Uh, Kevin Adams, set to join Paul Hamilton and uh, Brian Koziel at 12:10, and Sabres pregame getting kicked off in about 15 minutes here on WGR as well. All right, welcome back to our final segment here of Sports Talk Saturday on WGR and a special playoff edition of Sports Talk Saturday brought to you by Runner's Roost. It makes a difference where you get your shoes by Batavia Downs Gaming and Hotel, the area's premier entertainment destination, and by Isaac Heating and Air Conditioning when you need us. We'll be there. And speaking of Isaac Heating and Air Conditioning, every day at Isaac Heating and Air Conditioning provides expert installation, repair, and maintenance in the Buffalo area. Their technicians make Isaac the trusted source for home comfort. Isaac can help you with your home's heating and air conditioning needs from daily maintenance and repairs to new installations and energy improvements. Isaac Homes Home energy assessments evaluate your home's insulation to help keep your energy costs low. And they can help you apply for New York State's incentives when you choose energy-efficient products such as heat pumps. Take control. Take comfort knowing that Isaac provides services in Buffalo that improve the quality of your life. Visit IsaacHeating.com today or call 716-685-1400. All right, we went through a lot today. I'm about to pass things over to Brian Koziel and Paul Hamilton on Sabres pregame. Sabres puck drop at 1 p.m. against the uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Rasmus Sisterlinen making his Buffalo debut for the first time in another jersey. Uh, B- Sabres general manager Kevin Adams will join Brian and Paul at 12.10 for an interview, so don't, uh, to make sure you're listening for that and be around for that. And, um, yeah, so it should be, uh, should be a great afternoon. And then following Sabres Flyers, we've got coverage here on WGR of Titans and uh, Bengals. Later on tonight as well, Green Bay versus San Francisco in tonight's matchups as well. So a great day for football, a great day for some local sports as well as Sabres and Flyers happen uh, um, in just a few moments with pregame starting at noon. I will be along tomorrow at 1 p.m. with Jeremy White. We'll be doing Buffalo Bills game day starting at 1 p.m. Then Joe DiBiase and I will take over for countdown to kickoff at 3 with uh, kickoff at 6.30. Of course, you could hear it right here on WGR as well. So pregame coverage getting started at 1 p.m. tomorrow. And uh, I'll also be along for postgame coverage on the overtime show starting at around 11, I believe, is when I'll be uh, hitting the airwaves again um, after the game tomorrow. 
So I talked a lot about the window today. Really looking forward to this Bills matchup. Most importantly, I'm looking forward to the Allen and Mahomes matchup and really kind of hoping for elite-level quarterback play for entertainment purposes. But, you know, I think a true measuring stick game to, tr- to truly kind of dictate where Josh Allen is in the hierarchy of the league and, and going up against the best. And listen, when you get to this point in the season and you believe you're an elite team, you want to beat the best, and to be the best, you got to beat the best, and the Bills are maybe no better suited to beat the Kansas City Chiefs than they are this year. All right, time out for me. Sabres pregame getting underway here in about five minutes with Brian Koziel and Paul Hamilton, so don't go anywhere here on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.